Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Again, thank you for joining me this week. My motivational quote today is by Emily Post, and it says, To make a pleasant and friendly impression is not only good manners, but equally good business. Generational differences, technology, and body language, what do they all have in common? Hmm. All three play a huge role in how we communicate at work, in meetings, and with one-on-one conversations. Because these are integral elements of our own persona, they play into how we are perceived in our work environment. So think about that for a minute. So, do you know what messages, whether conscious or unconscious, you're sending out. Most of us say, sure we do. Please, people see me and I'd like to be, as I'd like to be perceived. If that were true, would you be willing to ask several colleagues, bosses, and direct reports to maybe give you an anonymous evaluation about how you communicate and what type of receptivity you're actually getting from these same folks? Question that one for a second. Do not fear. We have an expert on this topic of modern manners for business success. Beverly Langford is going to unravel some key concepts for us to utilize to be successful in this changing environment. Beverly is president of LMA Communication. It's a consulting, training, and coaching firm that works with organizations and individuals on strategic communication, message development, effective interpersonal communication skills, team building, and leadership development. She's author of a newly released and completely updated uh, book called The Etiquette Edge, Modern Manners for Business Success. Beverly, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Good morning, and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. And before we started the show, everyone, I was saying to Beverly that I think that her book, which of course I read, is brilliant, but it's such it's a tool for us to use in the corporate environment and even at home to some extent. Some of the skills are transferable, but it matters how we communicate and how we're perceived. And I don't know that everybody thinks they're perceived properly, and I'm, I, I would beg to differ. I think that we're perceived not always in a positive light. So first thing, Beverly, let's talk about the generational differences that you see regarding workplace etiquette. And where do you fall when it comes to older and younger generations either loosening up or becoming more buttoned up, et cetera? So what, what's that happy medium, and, and can you explain that to us? Well, in my opinion, every generation has its real strengths, and every generation has its areas where we could all develop. The main thing is that we need to make sure that we don't use generational differences as a divider, that we use it as as a great opportunity for lifelong learning, as we can learn about the differences in the generations, the way that we see things, the way that we feel about how we communicate with each other and how we connect with each other and realize that there are pluses and minuses across the board. I have a funny story to tell you that is about generational differences. My, my, my dad is actually, his birthday is next week. He's going to be 86. 
um, here's the funny thing. About 10 years ago, maybe even a little bit longer, our local community college offers senior citizens free classes. My dad is a lifelong learner. He's an engineer by trade, and about, about a decade, maybe 15 years ago, the technology has come around that instead of doing, like he would have the... Um, he would do the uh, the big uh, drawings, you know, for whatever building, et cetera, for, from an engineer's perspective. Well, they have this AutoCAD now, which is the technology to build via three dimension and all of this. So he takes the class at the local community college. I go over one day uh, to visit, and they live locally, and my dad's leaving. I'm like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to school. I'm like, you're going to school? Yeah, I'm taking AutoCAD, right? I, was, I thought, God bless him, right? That lifelong learner, what a great message. So then he says to me, so I'm giggling. I go, good for you, Dad. That's awesome. And then he says to me, and I belong to a study group. Now, Beverly, I said to him, a study group? Who would want you in their study group? So here's the interesting thing. Hit the first day, my, my parents didn't have a computer back then. And so the first, he bought one, but he didn't really know how to use it. So the first day, use the mouse, do this, do this. My dad is lost. So the young man next to him says to my dad, John, do this, do this, do this. Well, about halfway through the class, my dad's getting the hang of things. He's building whatever the project is, and he looks over at the kid who was helping him, and his calculations were off. So my dad says, that building's going to fall. And the kid goes, what do you mean? And he says, you're off by 1 64th of an inch kind of thing. How do you know that? And my dad's like, well, I'm an engineer. So the kid says to my dad, can you come to our study group? You help us with the engineering. We'll help you with the AutoCAD. And that's generational differences at its best. Well, absolutely, and and that needs to happen in the workplace rather than than seeing it as as a divider where the millennials all hang together and the the baby boomers uh, go somewhere else to to interact with each other. The more we can have uh, cross functional discussions, the more that we're going to realize that each generation has something important to give to the other. Absolutely, and, and so there there needs to be a lot of conversation of showing, uh, for example. Showing interest in each other's experiences, showing interest in each other's capabilities, their their knowledge, their skills, and and their abilities, can really enhance us all rather than than finding ways to criticize each other because of our differences. It's easier to criticize than to find the strengths, I think, as humans, right? Which I'm not saying is right, but I just think it's always easier to judge and criticize than to look at the person as a whole and say, hey, what do you bring to the table? Now, when, when we look at older and younger generations, do you think that the, the, the older generation, baby boomers, need to loosen up? And do you think that the younger gen generation need to maybe button up a little more? Well, that's a great way to put it. Uh, certainly, the, the formality versus informality is, is the defining characteristic of generational differences. Uh, people who are younger uh, don't don't feel the power distance so much in an organization. They'll they they have no problem calling the CEO Bob, whether Bob wants to be called Bob or not, and and a lot of times just will will take those liberties without even thinking about what is the preference of the other person. Uh, on the on the other hand, uh, older generations need to, in in my opinion 
question the rules of etiquette, uh, so to speak, because they're always changing. You know, etiquette is, is not just a, a, a group of rules to make people have to remember which fork to use. The origin of the word etiquette comes from a word which originally meant ticket, and a ticket or a billet. And if you think about it, a ticket is something that either gets you in or it keeps you out if you don't have one. And so the whole idea is to to, to look at the rules of etiquette and the ones that no longer seem to apply, we can put those aside. There's some universals that are going to stay on forever. But it's all about how do you treat other people with respect and how does it function in today's society. So just hanging on to a particular rule of etiquette just because it's been there isn't necessarily good judgment. And, and when we are open to other people's ideas and open to questioning, well, why do we do it that way? Then usually if we have some dialogue and some discussion, then we may come up with, with a better solution. So there's my way, there's your way, and possibly then our way can be the most productive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we speak with people with respect, better things happen, whether whether we can agree to disagree, whatever it is. But when we're respectful with each other, I think people are more receptive to whatever it is that you're trying to say or share or, or communicate. Now, technology, that's another big one that absolutely has affected the workplace definitely as well as home but technology has enabled the boundaries between personal time and work time to really become blurred so do you think that accounts for changes in expectations of the workplace courtesy too well certainly it does particularly how how much do you want to be accessible and available when you're not at work and sometimes because the boundaries are are blurred and the the divisions have 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 fallen away we have to make our own boundaries and have to decide how accessible do I want to be outside of the office and it's a matter of setting expectations in my opinion if you're going on vacation for example and you know that back at the office your team is is working on a big project it's probably unrealistic for you to think that you're not going to connect with the office at all but you can set certain times where you can let people know that you're going to be available you're going to call in or you're going to email in and so then the understanding is when it's not in that time frame people will let you enjoy your vacation uh, I, I read somewhere that that a lot of people today uh, when they send an email are actually offended by the I'm out of the office response because in their opinion well yeah you're out of the office but you're always connected, so you should be answering my email. I thought that was kind of an interesting approach. But it's it's the reality. It's the world that we live in, all these devices that that we thought were going to make our lives a lot easier in some ways have done that, but in other ways they've just required us to do more. It's so true. And that, you know, that upsets me to hear that the statistic is showing that when you have out of office and you're on vacation, 
that people get offended when on the flip side you read articles that to be more productive and to have a clear mind and be more creative and more and all of those things you need to take a vacation you need to literally unplug so I like your idea of setting boundaries and expectations so it's funny right I have my own business so when I go on vacation I do put out of office for anyone I didn't communicate with because I'm pretty responsive but they know the rule that even when I'm on vacation every morning I get up before my family I check my emails I respond to anything that you need and if you really need to speak with me that week I will fit you in around what we're doing on vacation um, I can't be at everybody's beck and call 24 hours a day that's not healthy for me but it's not healthy for my work relationships so that those boundaries they're blurred we have to unblur them and make it work for everybody involved and here's the other thing too Beverly that I say frequently I'm not that important. If I was a surgeon where I was waiting for, a, you know, my, my patient was at, is waiting for a liver transplant or, or a heart transplant or something like that, okay, then I need to be on call 24-7. I totally get that. I'm not that important. <laughs> Nobody should need me that badly. You know what I mean? So I think that those boundaries are really important and expectations. Well, they are, but, you know, we live in an age of instant gratification. Oh. We don't want to wait for anything. Yeah. And, and so when, we, when, when someone contacts you, that person wants you to respond to whatever it is that he or she needs. Yeah, it's kind of sad. And, and technology, I think, has created that because everything is instant. Now, the Snapchat the vine it's like a three-second video it's a punchline you know with my kids love vine they think it's hysterical and they showed me once at Beverly I said I don't get it they go what's well, the punchline I said but the funny part of the joke is the build-up to get to the punchline <laughs> it, well, it's we crazy we definitely are living in a punchline society there's no question totally now what is your take of curious because you know emojis are really big should they be used in communication with clients, colleagues, and or bosses? You, you know, I, I believe that, that communication hinges on a couple of key elements, timing and relationship. And the relationship piece is so important. What is your relationship with that person on the other end? I don't have a problem with emojis if you are are in a relationship with a person, your colleagues, you know each other quite well, they know you outside of just your your virtual presence, then they can certainly not only be entertaining, but they can help help take care of some of the nonverbals that we don't have access to when we're on email. But I would be careful using them if you don't know the person and you don't know how that person may respond, may look at the emoji and say, well, that's childish or why did that person think I would think that was funny? So it really depends on the relationship that you have, whether it's a client, a colleague, a customer, a friend. Uh, just be, just use good judgment. They're so overused. And I don't find them overused so much in the work environment. Like once in a while I'll respond to something and then the response will be like a thumbs up. I think that's absolutely appropriate because it's like, okay, we're on the same page, awesome, right, without having to write a ton of words. Exactly. I, I find it in my personal life on text and stuff like that 
people use all these emojis, which sometimes, like on a birthday, it's like, oh, that's nice. You know, they gave me a little fireworks and a birthday cake. And but sometimes it's it's overused, and it's like, really, can you just put thanks instead of you know a million emojis instead? Right. So when, when you have a when you have a, a three word text with six emojis after it, it it begins get it gets a little out of balance. Yes, because it took you longer to look for the emojis than it is to just put <laughs> thanks. You know, it, it there's this weird balance sometimes. Uh, we have this creative uh, tool, so we think we have to use it all the time. It's just kind of silly. We have to take a very quick break. Um, when we come back, one of my favorite topics is body language, and we'll, we'll shift into that, okay? Great. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. We are back and we are speaking with Beverly Langford about her new book, Modern Manners for Business Success. A brilliant, brilliant book. I, I think it's really more of a tool that everybody should have, not just for reading it, but then I have notes written on the side of mine. I take notes when I read books. So I can go back and, um, you know, look at the pages that I've dog-eared, et cetera, uh, as a reference. So next thing, uh, it really, it, it's, it's a needed tool out there, Beverly, and I'm glad someone has written the book that's addressing all of the things we're talking about. And that's why in my intro, like, what does generation, generational gaps, technology, and body language have in common? Well, it's all about communication, right? So, uh, exactly. We, and, and if I could just say one quick thing about can. the book. Every chapter is a standalone. So you don't have to sit down and feel like you have to read it from beginning to end. You can look at the table of contents and say, wow, you know, I'm interested in how do you, how do you apologize to somebody or how do you complain without sounding like a whiner. So you can you can look at the various areas and just and, and, and skip around in the book and read what interests you. Again, it's a user manual as well as an educational piece, in my opinion. So let's let's talk about body language. What is the most common, I guess, unconscious body language signal that shuts others down in meetings or in conversations? Well, in, in a meeting particularly, one of the biggest shutdowns is avoiding eye contact with the person who's actually speaking in the meeting. You know, obviously you're in a meeting and different people are making their points, or you may have someone who is, is doing a little more formal presentation. And whether the speaker is a fellow participant who has the floor or someone who's delivering something important, uh, you need to be looking at that person and focusing focusing at that person, not checking your phone or gazing out the window or focusing on someone else in the room, uh, rolling your eyes because you don't agree with whatever was being said. So your eye contact in a meeting 
is extremely important because it's a dead giveaway that you're either in or you are you're out. What about the iPads? I I know I've been in meetings and people pull out their iPads to take notes. So there's no time to look at the person because they're typing into the um the iPad. What what do you, how how do we handle that? Well, I would say, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about setting expectations. Uh, I would say at the beginning, I know that we're going to talk about some important things, and, and I need to take notes so I'll have a record of it. I just want you to know that as I'm typing on my iPad or looking at my iPad, I'm, it's about what we're discussing. I'm not checking my email or sending a text. So if you let people know what you're doing ahead of time, generally, it will not distract the speaker. It's very unsettling when you're trying to do a presentation or make a point to see everybody's eyes down on their on their phones or their iPads and nobody's looking at you. You're wondering, are, are they hearing anything I have to say at all? So letting people know uh, up front what you're going to be doing can alleviate that kind of tension. Now, you mentioned the cell phone. I think it's difficult to take notes on a cell phone, and, and people have approached me in, in various corporations where they'll complain to me and say, oh, you don't know a meeting, so-and-so and so-and-so is always on their phone, so why do they bother coming to the meetings? So now if they're on their phone, clearly they're not taking notes. So how would you, it's, it's, to me, it's like, why are you in the meeting then, right? Just leave or should the facilitator say all right I take all the cell phones up front like you would in, in kindergarten right give me the phones until the end of the meeting how can a facilitator handle those behaviors and I don't know that people do it on purpose we're just we're addicted to these these phones which is dangerous in its own way well, you know, I, I, I teach a lot of corporate workshops, and I teach Georgia State University in the, in the Robinson College of Business. And what I will usually tell people up front is I'm going to give you some breaks where you can check your messages, but I'm going to ask you to be present while we're in the middle of our, our class or our discussion. So I need you to be all in when, when we're at that segment of the meeting. And then I'll make sure that I give you an opportunity to check to see if anything urgent is going on. I, I remember some time back I was invited to a meet-and-greet luncheon. There were several groups that were coming together to discuss some things. And I'll never forget that I got off the elevator and it was outside where we were going to have the meeting and the door was locked and people couldn't get in. There were four or five people standing in various areas uh, outside in the foyer, outside the elevator. Every one of them had his or her head buried in a phone. And I'm thinking, this is a meet or greet, and what are we doing? We're not meeting and we're not greeting. We're just, we're just uh, uh, depending on, on whatever's on the phone. Yeah, it's a go-to when we're uncomfortable. When in doubt, go to my phone, and then I don't have to make eye contact and, and engage. Because I, I think a lot of times it's because people are uncomfortable with meet-and-greet networking events. That's another whole skill to yeah. talk about another day, right? Um, well, now, you watch people when you get on an elevator now. Everyone grabs the phone and yep. starts looking down at the phone instead of looking at anybody on the elevator. What are we afraid of? It's really kind of bizarre when you think about it. For somebody to smile at you and say, hey, how you doing? Like, that's such right. a bad thing. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. And, 
and I usually find I usually intentionally will will say hello to people in elevators and and at first they seem a little put off by it but generally they'll they'll warm up and be okay yeah exactly it's like oh somebody's making eye contact and speaking to me <laughs> human to human what a concept <laughs> you know, My next, I'm sorry uh, 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 another uh, another nonverbal uh, watch out, in my opinion, is don't make your chair an accomplice to your bad body language. And what I mean by that, the way you sit in a meeting speaks volumes about your attitude toward the topic and the participants. Uh, you've been in meetings, and you can almost see when someone is interested in the topic and when that person checks out by the way they're sitting by the way they are are, are, i think we call that that attending the way that they're really listening so if you slouch in your chair and you're swiveling to turn your back to some of the meeting attendees uh, or just generally conveying a lack of energy and engagement it it really sends a powerful message that you may be there but you're not really there it's interesting. I, I did uh, coaching for a client, and I was watching the manager coach the supervisor um, in the in their department. And all of a sudden, whatever the manager said, the employee literally turns away. So I take notes as I'm observe. I don't say a word. I just observe so that I can really get the full value of what's going on, again, verbally and nonverbally. And so I wrote down exactly what the manager said verbatim, and then I wrote down what I observed the employee doing. So I always asked the employee to leave so I could speak with the manager first so that they could debrief and, and just kind of give, I want them to self-assess how they think they did, what went well, et cetera. So the manager is like, oh, I think it went well. And I says, well, why did she turn her back? Her body language shifted when you said whatever it was. The manager goes, oh, I didn't notice that. I'm like, I, I go, you know what? Maybe I'm overly sensitive because I really observe body language. So the employee comes back in. And I say to her, uh, you know, when your manager said this and this, you turned away. You know, did I misinterpret what was going on? And the, the, the employee said, well, she's wrong. And I didn't want to hear it. So pretty much I checked out. I was mm-hmm. dumbfounded because, okay, clearly I picked up on the body language, but I'm there observing. So the manager felt so bad. And she said to the employee, I had no idea. So they actually talked about it during the debrief in the session. But I said to both of them, you have to be aware of your body language. And here's the thing. When someone turns their back to you, you have to be rude about it. You could just say, okay, clearly what I just said upset you, you don't agree with. Let's talk about it because your body language just shifted. Um, and I could see that you, there's a disconnect. So let's reconnect and discuss that. And they're like, you could do that? I'm like, why wouldn't you? Versus continuing to go on and wasting everybody's time because nothing was accomplished in that coaching session. It's kind of crazy. Well, you were exactly right. You know, in a, in a live face-to-face conversation, body language accounts for about 55% of the message. That's right. Your, your voice is around 35 to 37%, and the rest of it uh, is, uh, is what your words have to say. So uh, that body language is powerful, and if your words say one thing and your body language says something else, in most cases the body language is going to win. It's powerful because you're sending out that energy to the other person, you know, or disconnect or you're stupid, whatever your body language speaks volumes. And Beverly, I don't think people pay attention to their own body language. And I think that they miss so many cues from clients, colleagues, bosses, 
um, that they should be picking up on. So body language, again, it's, you should read that chapter because it's powerful and we really, really need to be aware of what's going on. It's interesting when I train and you know, you could see people people's faces if they didn't quite get whatever the concept is. You'll see they have that little puzzled look. And I'll stop and say, okay, I don't point them out. But I'll say several of you have a little bit of a puzzled look. And later on, people come, how would you pick up on that? Because I'm watching. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Right? Like, be just be aware. So it's, um, any other tips for body language? Well, you know, other just be aware that it's easier to read body language in others than it is to control our own because our own body language is unconscious we we have no idea that we're that we're doing it in fact i had a situation once i was teaching a class and i asked a woman a question and and she started to answer and all of a sudden she said exactly what you just said she said wow i can tell you don't like my answer i was unaware that i had done anything but i had shifted my posture i'd crossed my arms I mean, you know, all the classic things, and I was clueless. I had no idea that I had done it. So consciously and intentionally trying to keep a, 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 keep tabs on your own body language is difficult, but it's critical. And, you know, I always recommend to people, especially where you feel safe, so like in your department where everybody knows you um, and doesn't take offense because they know you so well, especially if you're a kind person, you know, typically. Fine. So have people give you feedback on, on your body language. People that you trust at home ask people to give you feedback um, when your body language shifts. You know, it, it's important because it really does speak volumes. And we hurt people without even realizing it or put people down and make them feel not valued or not important and it's just terrible because we I don't think we mean to do that we don't like you said we don't realize we're doing it right and and that's wonderful uh, your suggestion to 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 get some trusted colleagues to help send you some signals when your your body language starts to turn negative and and so it's very important that you try to avoid those those negative signals you know it, it's it's great to have a little a little checkup every so often uh, i i suggest sometime with clients that they Go to colleagues, maybe eight or ten people, and ask those people to supply three words they would use to to describe that person. Each person gives three words, and then you collect the words from all the people and see. Look for patterns. Do you see anything that everybody seemed to say about me? And also look for the things you wish were there that may not be. But it's a great little exercise that will help you. You, you talked about perception early on in the in the beginning of our discussion it's a great way to see how people are perceiving you and if you're not clear about how you want to be perceived people are just going to do it on their own that's that's for sure I teach a, a presentation class and we do a half day of learning and then I bring them back and I videotape them and everybody in the class gives feedback based on what they observe but I let the camera keep rolling so when they go and watch the video they can also hear the feedback as well as the written so this yeah, it's it's just such a it's such a brilliant tool because telling someone what they're doing and then having them view it is just you know showing is power is powerful. This one gentleman, the first person gave feedback something he was doing with his body language, and he was like, yeah, well, she she doesn't know what she's talking about. Second person gave additional and said, oh, and I agree with what the first person said about body language. There were five people in the room. 
everybody commented on his body language. So when we got to the end, I said, you know, what, what is your take and, and what did you hear from the feedback? Again, I want to make sure everybody's processing quality feedback. And he said, you know, the first person that said feedback, I kind of poo-pooed it and go, yeah, they don't know. But by the fifth one, he goes, I got to tell you, I'm going to watch that video and watch my body language because there's got to be something to it if five people out of five people saw the same thing. And I thought, powerful. And I thought, and you just learned that you can control your body language if you know what you're doing. (laughs) One of the things that I do when I teach presentations is uh, when they, when I videotape, I tell them that when they're watching the videotape, watch part of it with the sound muted. So all they'll do is just see their body language. And that's a great way. uh, That way you're not listening to any words at all. Uh, You're just watching the body language to see what's going on. It's funny when uh, I teach coaching and I say, if I sit in your coaching session, because really in a coaching session, in a client conversation, the person who's facilitating, whether it be the manager or the CSR, whoever, with the client, you should be talking 30% of the time and the client or the person you're coaching should be speaking 70% of the time, right? So I I say exactly that. I'm going to videotape you in your coaching session and we're going to turn the words off. Who's going to do all the talking? And then when you show them, they go, oh my God, I have to talk less because I'm not giving the employee a chance to speak to tell me what their frustrations are so I can help them. Brilliant. It's a brilliant tool, Beverly. Well, and it really, it, 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 you can tell people things and just like your, your client, they, oh, well, it, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But when they see it for themselves, it's a, it's a whole new world. Videotape yourself. It's a scary thing to watch. <laughs> it, it is, but it's very valuable. Very if valuable. Get, if you could just get past the fear factor and, 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 and watch it, it always teaches you something. It does. It's true. Pictures worth a thousand words, right? That old saying. Absolutely. We're out of time. Um, I do want to share with everybody, though, Beverly, if you'd like to either speak with Beverly or buy her book, which I highly recommend. Managers, if you're listening, brilliant book. You do like um, a workshop where you read the book and you guys discuss pieces of it. It's a great way to build a team as well, and an easy way to build a team. But go to um, Beverly's website. It's LMA, so Larry, Mary, Anne communication.com, lmacommunication.com. All the information is there. Also, please, please share your stories, frustrations, um, topics that you'd love me to cover on the show, and send those emails to Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. And I do read them personally. I do not have someone um, vet all of the emails for me. So, again, Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. And not to worry, I will put Beverly's uh, website, LMA Communication, on the Web Talk um, uh, website. So literally, you guys, it, I'll backlink it. You click and you go right to the website. So you don't even have to worry if you're driving and listening to the show. Beverly, thank you so much uh, for being on and for taking the time. It just such a needed conversation, such an important topic, and I hope people found value that they could go back and take away today um, and start to implement some of the little strategies that you share. Just brilliant. Thank you so much. Well, Connie, thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure.
Thank you. I hope you guys will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize, you know what, it's really easier than we oftentimes think. Thanks again, Beverly, for being just such an amazing guest and for your insights and I hope inspiring conversation to challenge people to change how they communicate. And that's really, I, I think, a valuable tool for all of us. Thank you. Thank my pleasure. Thank you all for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much. Have an inspired and highly communicative week. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Stop it.